Equipping for Life podcast by Pastor Tony Paolo. Listen as Pastor Tony provides tactical tools to overcome obstacles in your everyday life. Building a life of the supernatural. That's our next, our next, this is our season, right? This is our season, right? Building a life of the supernatural. God uh, is just, is brilliant. He has this way of um, moving in our lives. He steps into our world when we worship and magnify him. See, there's something beautiful about praise and worship, right? And this is what we had for the last 45, 45 minutes, praise and worship. When God um, just invades this atmosphere with a beautiful power in his presence. And we're like, man, that felt so good. And I've said this to you before. When we have the atmosphere like, as we did in the first service and then we have it in the second service, it's not because God showed up. It's because you showed up. Because God is always showing up. God has already, he's promised that he's showing up and that he's shown up. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So when we have this kind of atmosphere, I mean, sure, Pastor Donovan and his team are amazing. They practice. But when we have this kind of atmosphere, it's not because he shows up. It's because we show up. Because if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we come to the 11 a.m. service and our body is here and our mind is somewhere else. Can we talk about that for a minute? Maybe for a second? Yeah, second? No? Yeah, I know. I know. I know how it is. I know, I know. It's like uh, you drag yourself and your body's here, but your mind is somewhere else. Today we're going to talk about the power of praise and worship. The incredible creator has made a pathway from his purposes into our hearts, his promises, presence, and, and, and power. And today I'm going to challenge you. And you know when I challenge you, I'm not necessarily a pat on the back, you're going to be okay. I'm more like, let's go. Let's take on the impossible. And I, I find myself, Pastor Donovan, sometimes I find myself like, like oh, I could do it. I, I remember this story comes to mind a couple of years ago when I broke my leg. And, and I was at an airport. And I was like, you know what, let me just call for a wheelchair. And I was in Baltimore. I was in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. You know those big airports, you know. So I get off the plane. They bring a wheelchair. I have my cast. I have my crutches and stuff like that. And the guy wheels me to the end with the other three or four people. And I'm sitting there. And I say, oh, so what's next? He says, i got to take you to your gate. I'm like, I'll go by myself. He goes, oh, no. You see that ramp over there? And I look. He goes, you're not going to make it up that ramp. Nobody ever does. And walks away. First of all, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Second of all, don't tell me what I can't or cannot do. So I put my crutches on my, it was a little bit awkward, but I made it, all right? And as I was going up, I was like halfway through, I was like, what? There was, I heard people saying, what is he doing? <laughs> halfway up, I was like, I just started praising the Lord. I was like, Lord, you're going to help me. God, you are faithful. And I did it. I did it. But this is it. We have to be able to use praise and worship. There's going to be times in your life where you're going to encounter impossible moments. Okay, moments that largely remain unaffected by prayer. And I want, I want you to get this in context. Don't say prayer doesn't work. Sometimes when we get in those dark moments and we start praying, our prayers sound like we're begging. 
And we get a little off with our prayers. But when we praise and worship the Lord, all of a sudden, God becomes central. Now, we say we magnify God. So what happens? We make him bigger. We say we glorify God. We're saying we're making him bigger. We're elevating. We're escalating. We're exalting God the Father. So when we exalt him, guess what? Things begin to change in our hearts. So today, we're talking about how to use praise and worship to build a life of the supernatural. And our scripture is in Psalm 22, verse 3. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. And we're going to go through a couple of different versions because I want to get a, a good grasp of the nuance of this verse. Uh, the next version, I think it's the New Living Translation. It says that God uses the praises of his people to create a throne. It says, the, the praises your people give you are your throne. That's probably one of my favorite ones because to me it speaks to me. The Message Bible is really good. It gives us good insight, but it's not necessarily academic, right? So, but we use it because it's fun to use. And it says, God leans back on the cushions of our praises. How many of you have a favorite pillow? Be honest. Shame the devil. Come on, no, good. Come on. I, I drove, we traveled to Florida. Early this week, I came back yesterday, and because we drove to Florida, I bring my favorite pillow. Somebody say, that's okay. Thank you. So I bring it, but promise I drove to Florida. Promise I got to bring it back on the plane. So thankfully, Southwest allows me two free luggages. Guess what? One of those luggages is taken up by my pillow. The Message Bible says, God uses your praise to, as feathers to pack his pillow, as a cushion. The New Living Translation says that the praises of your people give you your throne. I want you to think about this. Now, Ephesians says that he's able to do above and beyond what we could ask thing or imagine according to the power that is at work where? In us, okay? I want you to think about this now. Faith is a reality, but also faith is a perception. So the closer I am in my perception of revelation of who God is, the more I'll experience miracles. So if, if God is enthroned in my life, he's king, he's my master, he's my Lord, I'm surrendered to him. But if God's not Lord of my life, he's not sitting on the throne, he's disappointed in me, so I put him in time out sitting on a stool. And because God is in the corner sitting on a stool, I mean, we've kicked him out of the schools. We kicked him out of our nation. But when something tragic comes and happens, we come to him not to celebrate or ask him for a miracle. We come to accuse him because that's our level of revelation. So what? So this proper interpretation here is that God, now God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Doesn't mean that his presence is there. So you have the luxury of his omnipresence, not necessarily of his presence. If you get it, say, I got, I got it. So this is where we're at. So this passage here, David says, is when I praise and worship, it gives you full reign in my life and in my view, in my peripheral vision, and my perception, you are Lord of my life. And when God sets up his throne room, guess what happens? Miracles. He gets to act as a king and not some god that's put in a corner because he's on time out because he disappointed me and some of you here that's where god is kick him out of the schools a tragedy happened god why did you allow that to happen kick him out of our nation oh well if god is so good well first of all god's not a cop 
He doesn't enforce the law. He wants relationship with you based on covenant, not based on comfort. So here, David is saying, let's set up the atmosphere where your praise and the worship is the red carpet for your workings. The supernatural is attracted to your worship. And I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings, the 42 minutes that we had this morning worshiping God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your week, your life. Your life is worship. So if you have trouble in 40, some people, I'll be honest, I'm going to tell you, some people wish, because they talked to me, the services could be passed. Can we make the services shorter? And I say, God's been good to you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you carve out one hour and 28 minutes of your busy life to fellowship with other believers and worship God? Because don't tell me, if you tell me you want me to preach longer, I'm going to be short, I'm going to preach longer. <laughs> we have, all right. Don't encourage me too much. So this is the deal. Now, God in the Old Testament says, I want to meet with mankind. I want to meet with humanity. I want my presence to go somewhere. So I want you to build a tent. Then he went, I want you to build a tabernacle. And then the next level was, I want you to build a temple. Because he said, when you worship me, my presence needs to go somewhere and be housed inside of a building or be housed inside the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, he says, my presence will dwell in the Ark, but stay away a half a mile. <laughs> he says, the priest, will carry the, the priest will carry the Ark, but stay away. Now, if this was us today, we would say, okay, the presence of God is going to be at 244 Lexington. Um, you can't come any closer than Luca Music. Stay there. Only the priests, only the staff, only the leadership is allowed here. And we'll make the prayers for you. That was the Old Testament. And how did they bring down the presence of God in the Old Testament? They would worship and honor God. So God now, fast forward, he says, I'm not going to do a tent. I'm not going to do a tabernacle. I'm not going to do a temple. I'm going to use human bodies as vessels to house my presence. And what's going to happen is when you praise now, my presence is not going to come down because my presence is in you. You're going to experience the reality of my presence when you magnify and glorify and elevate and exalt my name. So, I, you know, I know how some people are. You want to be all dignified? Well, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. You weren't an introvert on the dance floor when you were sweating through your suit at that wedding. And do you realize that some people still go to the clubs? I'm like, what are we, in the 80s? Come on. Is God convicting somebody here? Oh, Pastor, I want to meet somebody. Not at the club. Come to church. I have a, a, a business owner, Mineral Spring. I keep inviting him to church. He says, you have girls there? I'm like, yes. But I tell you, the women who attend this church ain't going to marry some schlep. They want a worshiper. They want a man of God who worships God in spirit and in truth. Can the lady say amen? So if you're, if you're a single man, if you're looking to, to, for a woman, come up here and worship. Be like this, hallelujah. Thank you. Those who worship, see, am I telling the truth? 
<laughs> Ladies are like, oh, you're telling the truth. So how do you, now the presence of God is in us, right? So what we experience here, wow, the presence of God was powerful. It's not God, God's not in heaven saying, hold on a second, I'll be right back. 244 Lexington is worshiping me. It's really good, I'm going to show up. It's, you showed up. You showed up. You showed up. You showed up. You show. God always shows up. The person that doesn't always show up is me. That's it. So if you want to create an atmosphere where God says, I'm going to set up my throne room, which is a symbol of his lordship over your life, you worship him. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. No, that is within me. Bless, bless his holy name. God's presence in the Old Testament needed a vessel. He used a building. God's presence needs now a new vessel. And the New Testament is called you and it's called me. That's the power of God. But we have to look at this in context now. This is what David says in context. When we look at uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, it says this. David. Now, David's particularly, he's having a bad day, David. How do we know? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever feel like, God, like, God, you said, but I prayed prayers. That, God, you said, but God, you said, but my sister-in-law has cancer, stage two lipnoma, and she's going through chemo. God, like you said that you would, but it seems to always be a but. When we're coming to the faithfulness of the Lord, he says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. You ever been, have you ever been there? Like, God, I'm, I'm dark. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm just kind of, I'm messed up. My God, he says, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. This is where he transitions. Because we always have to transition. If you want to get into that feeling sorry for yourself, do it for a very short time. But make sure you transition into the faithfulness of God. How does he transition? Well, this version says, yet. Another word for yet is, but you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And I'll pull out that other version that I have inserted. Your praises, their praises sets the atmosphere for your throne. Then he goes back. A good foundation for future trust in the Lord is God's faithfulness in the past. He said, they trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put ashamed. See, what David was doing, he had, a, he had to push that movement, that transition from very dark. God, why aren't you answering me? God, I'm, I'm about to put you in time out. God, I'm upset with you. But then he transitioned. He said, yet. And he began to realize that it was praise and worship. It creates an atmosphere where God moves. Let's go through some of our stories here. In, Ju in Judges chapter 6 verse 1. It talks about the walls. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. The walls of Jericho. So God gives them specific instructions to march around the walls of Jericho. And at the end he says, I want you to just let out a big shout. One big shout of praise and watch the walls of Jericho fall down. And this is why it's so important that when we're in the presence of the Lord and the atmosphere is set, it's not enough for you to be looking at your cell phone, looking at your clock, and, and having your hands in your pocket. That's not a motion. That's not a position of breakthrough. A position of breakthrough is shouting unto God with the voice of triumph. And why is the shouting so important? The shout, why do we shout? 
when you argue with your spouse, not me, you guys, you shout because you don't want to hear what the other person is saying. So we shout because we don't want to hear the other things that are going on in our mind. How many times have you repeated things that don't celebrate covenant? So when we shout, Jesus, guess what happens? The walls come down. How about Joshua? How about Judges chapter 7, verse 1, the battle of Gideon? Classic. I love this story. Underdogs, under, severely outnumbered. But they go out to battle, not with weapons. They go out to battle with pots, pans, and torches, and lamps. And, they, and they, not even not one weapon. And when the time came to attack the enemy, they just started making noise and started shouting. And then they began to shout this one thing, which doesn't make any sense because there was no weapons. A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Not one sword was present. So not only in the walls of Jericho, when you praise and worship, the walls come down. But now we're talking about a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. It, it switches your perception. See, when you worship Jesus and we say things have changed as a result of worship. It may not be because God came in and says, okay, let's move things around. It could be because God changed your perception and realized that through your praise and worship, there are more for you than against you. Another time in the Bible where they were going into this new season, into a new battle. And they says, who, is, who shall we send first? And they said, send, send Judah first. What does Judah represent? Praise and worship. They were the worshipers. There are times where I'm, there are times where I get discouraged and I get into this dark hole and I have trouble with prayer. But then when I start praising God, all of a sudden the attention shifts for me and my circumstance to the Lord. How about Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas being in prison? They were in jail. They were in that prison. Uh, and they began to praise the Lord. If you're in a dark place, the best thing that you can do, don't wait for things to shift. It's going to be your praise and worship that's going to cause it to shift. The things that you are going through right now is only temporary. I'm going to say this again. The things that you are going through right now, the darkness that you're going through right now is only temporary. And the best thing that you can do is not wait for a breakthrough, but let your praise and worship be a breakthrough. The Bible says that they began to praise the Lord. And guess what? What happened? The prison doors flung open so whatever your dark place is right now just begin to sing to worship you I live to worship you I live I live to worship you come on get out of that funk you're in to worship you I live to worship you I live we have the words on the screen for you too Yes. To worship. Let God cause those words, those walls to fall down. Change your perception. Open up the prison door. To worship you. Who worship you. I live, I live to worship you.
to worship. I live to worship. There's a spot in my bedroom where during my morning devos, and I put it in quotes because we make it sound so fancy. I know some of you have, well, I meditate for 12 minutes, I sing for 12 minutes, I read for 12 minutes, and then I pray for 12 minutes, and then I listen for 12 minutes. Do you do that in your relationships with your friends? Yeah, let's get together. I know, right? That's so funny. Oh my, my goodness, man. It's just kind of like... So in the morning, there's a part of my bedroom that I... In my mind, I mean, it looks like the rug is worn because this is me just every morning. Just worship you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, yes. Come on. Let God set up his throne around you right now. Hallelujah. To worship you, I live. Come on, let's hear. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. I'm going to share something with you. Your praise, based on what we've read, your praise creates the pathway for God to move. Now, God is God, no matter what. And Jesus said, if you don't praise, see the rocks outside? The, the There's going to be mouths on the rocks. I never want to see that happen. Like, if I ever see that, I'm like, you guys are not worshiping. Just because God's like, I'm, listen, I'm, God is God. If you decide to put your hands in your pocket and miss out on the breakthrough moment because you don't want to step out and move on worship. And again, this is not about the 40 minutes on a Sunday morning. This is your life. Those who worship. And Paul says it in Romans 12, verse 1 to 3. You may be seated. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. And one version says this is your reasonable act of worship. It's reasonable. So in view, in the context of God's mercy, it's reasonable for you to be a living sacrifice. So your life is worship. Your very life, your, your, your livelihood. So far greater than any song that you can sing is to give your life as an offering. And God, to David, God, you are frustrating me. I am so discouraged. Why aren't you answering me? And he shifts. He says, I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use my heart. I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to use my life to worship you, Jesus. wife and I a long time ago, a long time ago said, you know what, no matter what, let's worship. How many of you have been in a, that deep, dark place and you prayed and you're like, I don't know what's going on and you begin to worship? 
So when you magnify something, what, what does it happen? What happens? Magnify means, okay, yeah, I'm not going to, good. When you glorify something, it's, wow. When you elevate and exalt God, guess what? I exalt you. I exalt thee. It is good. I exalt. So this is what we're doing. Thee. I exalt thee. doesn't need your praise but he needs your praise to show up according to the power that's at work in us second peter says he's given us everything we need to live this life of godliness according to the knowledge that is at work in us so if i have no knowledge of god that's how i'm going to respond to life if i have a knowledge of god i made a decision a long time ago not to panic and you know what I still do once in a while. <laughs> but when, you have, when you are so full of God and the fact that God sits on the throne and he's in charge, when I'm panicking, all I have to say is, God, you're in charge. Amen. And just go on with my life. Nothing in my mind seems like there's a result, but God is in charge because he inhabits. Let's go back to that version again. Verse 3 of Psalm 22. The praises your people give you are your throne. So that means that's your dominion, that's your power, that's your authority. The, the Hebrew word, Strong's word, Yasab, for those of you who are Hebrew scholars, it's a Strong's, it's 3427, you can look it up. Inhabit means what? To station oneself, to sit down in quiet ambush. So when we praise the Lord, Pastor Tony, you're saying that God stations himself? Somebody, an older lady gave me, a, told me a story. She says, 45 years ago, I was in a meeting. And this lady spoke up and gave a prophetic word. And the, 45 years ago, I wasn't born. No, I was born, but whatever. You were. So the prophetic word was this. In the end times, the Lord says, I'm going to be stealth. In the end times, I'm going to work quietly. So, Pat, so you're saying, this is the Bible. This is not me. This is the Bible says. He inhabits, he stations himself in quiet. Boo! Did you, made you flinch? A little bit. I saw it. I did see it. I saw it. Like, I don't want to be ambushed. I do, by God. I've been ambushed by my issues. I've been ambushed by discouragement. I've been ambushed by depression. I've been ambushed by, by this anxiety. How many have been ambushed by something besides God? I want to be ambushed by God. 
And all ambush means is he's going to interrupt the flow. He's going to interrupt your own power supply. He's going to interrupt your own systems and your own towers and your own madness and the own, oh, your own idols that you've built. And I love that word, Yasab, because it's used in the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, it says, Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of Yasab, and they waited. And when the enemy came, let's pounce on them. And let's overtake them. Or in the book of Exodus, in, uh, on the Ark of the Covenant at the mercy seat, God says, I will meet you there at the mercy seat at that moment of Yasab. How many of you just recently got ambushed by God and you're like, my life is changed. I will never be the same. God, I pray that you would just come and ambush my own process, my own ways, because I don't need deliverance from the devil. I need deliverance from me. Those yasab moments. You want a breakthrough, but you walk in late, leave early. I said it. I, did I say that out loud? I said it out loud. I see you. I see you looking bored. And then you want to set up an appointment with me praying for a breakthrough. You want your first counseling session? Right here. For your Yasab moment. You don't want my Yasab moment. You want God's Yasab moment where God will station himself in the place of quiet ambush through your praise and through your worship give him a comfortable pillow so that he can get himself comfortable to perform the next breakthrough for you and your family this is it this is that moment ladies and gentlemen and the end times church will be a worshiping church that was part of that word lady said in the end times god says i'm going to come in like stealth and it's going to be through a church that prays and where he dwells, he stations himself in our hallelujahs. He dwells in our shouts and in our praises. Let the setup for the supernatural be because I open up my mouth and I say, Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I worship you. Sometimes I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but we are limited with our English language to try to touch into the magnificence of a holy God. God, may we see the supernatural happen in our life. You want to see the, and feel the presence of God? Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Let my inwards praise the Lord. Everything. I want to love the Lord, my God, with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind. You got to open up your mouth and celebrate the faithfulness of God. It's not so much what you do here, ladies and gentlemen, but it's what you do out there. So we're going to sing this song, and I invite you. I invite you. Well, think about this for a moment. I invite you to set up a moment where God will ambush you. You will find him when you search for him with all of your heart outer courts inner courts holy of holies we live in the new testament there's no such thing as that but some of you are acting 
like you're on the outer courts. And yes, some, some of you on the outer courts want inner Holy of Holies experiences. Oh, no. Some of you on the outer courts and want benefits that only happen on the inner courts. Oh, no. Some of you, some of you are out there and want to be blessed by God. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. See first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You can't be out there. And I tell you, if you are out there, God and in his love and his compassion for you will chase you. He will run after you. He will leave the 99 to go after the one. But today I'm going to invite you. I'm going to, it's actually a challenge in the invitation to say, all right, Lord, I've celebrated, forgive me if I celebrate it more at weddings and at the clubs. God created the dance. It was the devil who made it dirty. So celebrate. That's halal. Halal is a Jewish festival. They would just celebrate. God is faithful. And they would just have a dance based on the faithfulness of God. Play the tambourine. Play the drums. Play all the instruments just to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Let's stand. I'm going to invite you. Only if you want. You don't have to. You don't have to come to the altar, right, Pastor Donovan? But all I know is when we went to SeaWorld, I was like, I want to be in the first five rows. Because the first five rows say splash zone. And when the orca goes up 50 feet and comes splashing, I want to get hit. Come on, Pastor Donovan, go. Cynthia.